Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Did you know that more than 80 relievers have already recorded a save so far this season? Does that not blow your mind? You are welcome for that amazing stat. And if I had remembered if it were 83 or 84, I would have given the exact stat. But Heath... As I stole your statistic, I forgot what it was. Sorry about that. Didn't do it justice. You're a failure and a terrible person. <laughs> no, that uh, credit to Heath on that stat because that. I mean, I'm sure you didn't calculate it. You read it somewhere, but an amazing statistic. <laughs> um, I went to the, the pitcher leader leaderboard, sorted. Well, hold on. We might not have an accurate total then. Why? There's probably some SPs who aren't RPs who have saves. We need. I think we need to re recap. No, this only counts. I'm not looking on CBS. Okay. I was on Fangraphs. And still, same. pitchers that have pitched as relievers, zero inning minimum, sorted by saves. I think. Still don't think it matters. Still, still don't think this matters. <laughs> it's 83. Andrew Miller, I believe, was the most recent last night. Yeah. 83rd starting pitcher in the combined months of March and April. Relief pitcher. Which I, I think is like a 33% increase over the number from last year. Over the number from last year in March and April, or the number from last year? Yes. Oh, okay. Still, March that's and a, April number last year was 64. That's really, that's incredible. And we're going to have maybe a new closer in Texas. We will talk about it. This is your Wednesday show. It is May 1st. Happy May, everybody. And uh, it's going to be May. And I'm just gonna here's some some other stats that I actually it already found. is May. It's gonna be it is May. Right? Yeah, it's but I was referencing be. yesterday's show. Uh, just so you know, Tre- Trevor Bauer made his 60th straight start without allowing more than four earned runs. Only Greg Maddox has had a longer such streak since 1970. That's amazing. Who gave 60 you that in stat? a row. That was from uh, the recap from the Associated Press. That's uh, an incredible stat. Yeah, and, and I said earn runs, but the AP actually just said runs, so that's even better. 60 straight, no more than four runs. And, and let me just like, there was a moment last night where I was so mad at, at three, I had three pitchers going in this one Roto League, and I was so mad at all three of them, I threw my remote control and turned off the TV. Well, I turned off the TV first, <laughs> then I threw the remote. Where did you throw it? On the couch, into the cushions. Okay, okay. You ba- didn't, you dropped it. No, I threw it. I was really angry. Uh, Bauer, you dropped it with style. Bauer was one of them. Bauer was one of those. He gave up four runs pretty early in that game. He ends up getting a win. And he's not pitching that great right now by his standards with all the walks. Uh, we'll talk about him later. We'll talk about him later. Um, another stat, also from the Associated Press. We'll also talk about him later. 38 of Luis Castillo's 50 strikeouts have come on his changeup. How about that? Now, I will turn it over to Chris and Heath. Give me some standouts from Tuesday's games. There wasn't much. This has been a, a, a lousy couple of days for the standouts, I think. But uh, I'll say I was pretty impressed. It wasn't like an amazing start from Griffin Canning in his Major League debut. But I was impressed with the stuff. Uh, he has an interesting delivery that I think can help the stuff play up. And, you know, it, it's almost a little bit like um, maybe like a Joey Lucchese type delivery with a little more violence. But... He seems to hide the ball well. He throws in the mid-90s, so there's always going to be an opportunity for a talented young pitcher to stick in the Angels' rotation, and I'm pretty interested in him. Fran Mill Reyes uh, awoke from his slumber with a double dong, I believe, right? Two home runs last night? That's right. And then of the pitchers, Spencer Turnbull, I think it's probably time to at least pay a little bit of attention to him. He His ERA is... Quite a bit lower than his peripherals. I don't think he's going to be an elite strikeout pitcher, but he hasn't. He's really only had one bad start so far. He hasn't had a start where he gave up more than three runs, and he's been very good in two in a row against the Phillies and Red Sox on the road. So I think we need to give him a little more credit. Sure. Uh, Turnbull is only twenty six percent owned. Griffin Canning is fifty five percent owned. I'm sure we'd rather take a shot on Canning. When I went to sleep, I did put a bid in on Canning. When I went to sleep, he'd only given up one run. In four innings, and then he gave up two more in the fifth and got lifted after four and a third, four hits, three runs against the Blue Jays. One walk and six strikeouts for Canning. Again, 55% on, but 18 swinging strikes. Good stuff in his debut. 
Jonathan Lucroy was raving about him. He caught him yesterday. And it looks like Canning right now, I'll, t- I'll try to double-check, but I believe he is lined up for two starts at Detroit and at Baltimore next week. So that's not bad. Um, yeah, I-, I was surprised I got him for $3 in a weekly fab league with a $250 budget. It's like nobody wanted Griffin Canning. Maybe they saw the final line and it wasn't very good. Yeah, at Detroit, at Baltimore next week. But I want Griffin Canning. Let's take a shot. I dropped, yeah. I dropped Vince Velasquez for him for some reference. How He had like 18 swinging strikes in this game, right? Said that, yes. 18 swinging strikes. Yeah, he did say that exact number. <laughs> I was just No, I was just making sure that you said it because I wasn't I listening. I did. Thank you. And Turnbull has the, uh, the Angels and the Twins next week. Well, we don't have him listed as a two-star pitcher. So here's what happened. He wasn't supposed to start yesterday. Tyson Ross was, and I think Ross is on paternity leave, so I don't know what's going to happen with their rotation. But uh, certainly in deeper leagues, Turnbull worth a look. And then how about Jose LeClerc? He might lose his job. He gave up three runs. He blew his second save. Jose LeClerc has an 844 ERA. The walks have once again been an issue. This was a guy who was almost at a walk per inning before last year, at least in 2017. And now he's back to that. Nine walks in ten and two-thirds. Um, who, if anyone, are you interested in picking up in the Rangers bullpen? Who's going to be the 84th player to get a save? It's got to be Sean Kelly. Um, he was really bad in 2017, but prior to that, he'd been very good. He was pretty good last year, 294 ERA. The peripherals weren't quite as good, but so far this year, he has zero walks, which is a lot fewer than Jose Leclerc does. <laughs> he is, yeah. Uh, especially on a printing basis. The funny thing is, Jose LeClerc didn't have any walks last night. He gave up three runs in an inning, didn't walk anybody. I Did we, did we get any type of statement from the Rangers yes. that they're actually considering removing yes. him? Okay. Yes, yes. They said they might take him, they might put him in lower leverage situations right now. They're going to think about his role. There's a big Jose LeClerc problem here. Kelly is 14% owned, no walks, 11 strikeouts with a 150 ERA in 12 innings, has not been used on back-to-back days. Oh, no, he, he has. Back-to-back days twice this season. It's he, You know, there's a bit of a workload issue with Kelly because he gets hurt a lot. But sure. he does seem like the likely replacement. Uh, Hansel, we can, we can transit. Let's go right to the bullpen. Ready? Because we talked about the, yeah. the standouts from yesterday, although um, I got some more I want to talk about. But you got Sean Kelly. You've got Hansel Robles, who actually got the save yesterday and was sort of used as a closer over the weekend for the Angels with Buttrey pitching the eighth yesterday. If you remember, Michael Kane said he likes Buttrey, but Brad Osmus doesn't. Um, Steve Ciszek got a, got a shave, got a save. Josh Hader got a save. Andrew Miller got a save. Jordan Hicks was not available. But Robles, I think, and Kelly, good comparison here, both widely available. If you were going to pick up one, Robles or Kelly, who would it be? I don't really believe in Hansel Robles. I don't know if that's fair or not, but I I think there's probably less upside with him as a pitcher. Um, right now on May 1st at 8.42 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I think you probably have to prioritize Hansel Robles, but if the Rangers are up by two tonight going into the ninth inning and Sean Kelly comes out, he should be the guy that you go at. Yeah, I would say Robles and Kelly are both... And this is one of the things I wrote about in this morning's waiver wire column when I was talking about the 83 relief pitchers with a save. You, we have to be really active in categories leagues now because it's so difficult if you don't have one of the few elite closers. But you also should not go out and make a big move for any of these guys because both Hansel Robles and Sean Kelly are probably not going to be getting saves on June 1st. Fair. So, So do you think that the elite closers have more value now than they did before. We, we thought they were pretty valuable because we expected it, a situation like this, but now that it's played out, as Edwin well, Diaz, who, all these it, they, they do if you know who they are. Yeah. So who are they? Like, I it's don't like, I think, think Shane Green is. I think Scott considered Jose LeClerc an elite closer coming into the season, and this is the He's inherent not. problem uh, with relief pitchers is that uh, there are guys who have really, really good seasons – that seem to come out of nowhere, and you can look at all the peripherals and say, oh, this looks real. Jose LeClerc was getting a ton of swinging strikes. The stuff is great. He cut down on the walks, but it was over 60 innings. And we know with starting pitchers, you know, 12 starts, can anything can happen, and it doesn't necessarily mean 
that this guy is going to be. I mean, I I will say I I I think there are guys that have done it multiple years. Yeah, yeah. And they are. Why well, we just they might go bad. Mm-hmm. We could be wrong, but like even Kirby Yates has been very very good. Right. So I think Kirby Yates is an elite closer. I think Brad Hand is an elite closer. I think yeah. Kenley Jansen, Edwin Diaz, Roberto Ozuna, probably Ken Giles, and I was a little bit questionable about him at the start of the year. Um, Chapman. The, the guys that are more difficult are like Greg Holland. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't I, think he's given I, up a run yet. Well, listen, I, no, I meant uh, he has been very good. I, I really <laughs> meant like Edwin Diaz, Kenley Jansen, Aroldis Chapman. The guys that have the job aren't losing the job. That have been good. I, I think, if I I think could, Yates and Hand belong in that category. Totally fair. If I could speak on behalf of Scott, I'm not sure he would put he, – I know he liked LeClerc, and I know he's probably upset about the, what's transpired. I'm not sure he would have put LeClerc in the elite tier, but I know he liked LeClerc. Uh, but I was really speaking about like the first ones off the board, top five or so, and uh, how – you know I don't know if Rysel Iglesias. I know he had a bad outing yesterday, but he's pretty much right at the ship. Is he part of that group, and how valuable are those guys? And also – you know, I'm in a roto league, and oh, I think Jordan Hicks is is probably in that group. I know there's the car. I'm still, yeah. It's been like three months of his life where he's gotten strikeouts at above average rate. Makes sense so though. Still... It makes sense though, doesn't it? It does, but he had never done it even in the minors. That was the thing that was so bizarre about him. And you know, the stuff is obviously great, but if we're talking about you know Jose Leclerc not being in that range, well. Jordan Hicks has less of a track record of that kind of elite swing and miss rate than Jose LeClerc does. And I guess if to pile on, he also, I mean, his control has been pretty good this year, but that's something that could pop back up as a negative for Jordan Hicks. Uh, Jordan Hicks, five walks, 16 strikeouts in 12 and two thirds. I guess that's good. I think it's likely he's very good moving forward. Fair. I'd put him in the Greg Holland category. All right. And then last point here, like looking at this Roto League I'm in. Uh, that we're all in. Uh, terrible team I have, but actually pretty good in saves. Third in saves, and you know I I pretty much I drafted two closers in a twelve-team roto league. They're Hicks and Felipe Vasquez. I'm trying to fill in the blanks. I have Hector Neris. I have Hansel Robles. He's on my bench right now, but I did sort of take that approach on draft day. I said, you know, for a roto league, I'm fine just drafting two closers. And then being aggressive on waivers early and trying to get my third. Because if this is a league where we start nine pitchers, I really want to have three closers, three guys who are getting saves every week. Um, but I was okay just drafting two of them and, and then sort of filling in the blanks on the waiver wire. I've been a little fortunate that Jordan Hicks and Vasquez have been very good, and I'm third in saves. But that was a strategy, one of, one of the few in this league, that uh, might actually work for me. That's a nice little bullpen discussion. Uh, be remiss to not talk about Jose, uh, Jesus Aguilar, guys. This is now three home runs in two days, and he's seventy six percent on. Yeah, I told Chris this morning he's quite clearly just going to get like all of his home runs out of the way this week because no one started him this week, and then you're going to start him next week, and he's going to be terrible again. <laughs> is that what you think? You think he's just he's just okay? It's not like I uh, mean he he got his. OPS to higher than Mike Trout's uh, on-base percentage, so that's a good sign. I think he was very streaky last year. He was really good for two months or three months and then just kind of okay for the second half of the season. I think he did have some streaks in the second half season, but I'll reiterate what I said yesterday. I think he's more like a low 800s OPS bat than a high 800s OPS bat, and that makes him still a... You know, a useful fantasy player, someone that you can start, but I don't view him as a must-start player at this point. And first base has turned into a very weird position because Scott there, wrote about that yesterday. There yeah. aren't twelve good starters, I feel like, but there are. There might be twelve guys that we think might be good starters. It's become deep. It's still not as top-heavy as it once was. Like shortstop seems more top-heavy, but shortstop also runs out around fourteen, whereas first base. I think you could probably go 20, 24 spots down in the rankings and still have someone that you feel okay about in your lineup. All right, we got a lot more to come on today's show. At the end of the show, we're going to bring on Nate and Warren. We're going to do a little regulating a little bit later. If you have a commissioner question, a league issue, a trade veto question, something like that, if you're looking to kick someone out of your league, send us an email. 
fantasy baseball at cbsi.com and put fantasy regulators in the subject line, and that'll be a lot of fun. What else do we have? Well, we have some guys who got off to hot starts that uh, aren't so hot anymore. So we're going to talk about those players, whether or not their hot starts were legit, or if we can say, here we go. We're going to bring out Fooled You on today's show. Uh, Sportsline.com, great website. There is some fantasy content there for all you fantasy baseball, fantasy football players. Uh, it's a gambling site, great gambling content there. It's only $9.99 a month, but Kentucky Derby's coming up, and we got Hank Goldberg with his incredible picks. He's, he's plugged in. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's he's going to be great for you. So get on there, get on Sportsline.com, and use the promo code DERBY. For one dollar for your first month, promo code is Derby on Sportsline.com, and there we go. All right, here we go with uh, emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Some kind of uh, random emails, uh, you know, just have a little fun with it. From Richard in Sydney, Australia. Good day, Fruit, Puff the Magic, and Viserion. Viserion. Those are dragons. If you were to pick one guy right now to hit the most home runs by the end of the season, who would it be? My money's on Pete Alonso. The power that bloke generates just isn't fair. Do you fellas think anyone will come within a cooey of Bellinger or Yelich? They're making it look pretty easy. Um. Yeah, I think Bellinger. Uh, would I take Bellinger over the field? That's an interesting question. You usually never take a single player over the field, but he is... <laughs> Three homers above Chris, uh, everybody but Christian Yelich. And I don't think we think Christian Yelich and Eddie Rosario are going to homer at quite the pace that Cody Ballinger has uh, moving forward. So it's nice to have a lead there. I'll take Joey Gallo. He's yeah. only four back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take Gallo. Yeah, I thought those were really the two that stood out. Um, yeah, I don't know about Alonzo. It's not a bad guess. But, yeah, I'll take Ballinger, too. Email of the day number two is Rachel from Atlanta. Hey, Jed, Leo, Josh, and Toby. Heath will get this one. Well, Chris will get this Only one, too. I want to see if one? Adam will get this one, because I don't think he will. But, yes, I will quite clearly get this one. So will Chris. This is a country- I've watched this show like four times. Uh, a show. This is a... I was going to say Florida-Georgia line. I think that's the only music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who is it? West Wing. Ah... Hello, can we get some love for CJ Craig, the best character on the West Wing, please? Right? Yeah. 10-team head-to-head categories league with daily lineups. Do you have any tips about the day-to-day management of my team? Head-to-head categories league with daily lineups. Are there days that are best for picking up and dropping players? Should I set my lineup at the same time each day? I feel like I'm constantly checking on my team and would love some tips about how to streamline my process. No, Chris. Just this, you don't even. This is the problem with daily league. I was gonna say, okay, I don't think like the fact that you're constantly checking your team and making changes to your lineup on a daily basis puts you ahead of sixty percent of the league. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people like that's the biggest problem with these types of leagues, especially as we get into June, July, August, is remembering to do that on a regular basis. I, the one thing I would say, and I think it's probably unless this is your first year, you know this. Keep an eye on the pitching categories starting about Thursday. And don't be afraid to stream over the weekend if you've basically already lost ERA and whip and just want to make sure you win wins and kicks. And I think it's better to have more starting pitchers or relievers, whatever strategy you choose on your bench rather than hitters. Uh, I prefer a pitching-heavy bench to a hitter-heavy bench in a daily league, daily lineup league. Email of the day number three is Ben in New York. Dear Boo Boo. I think that's me. Foreigner is freaking phenomenal. Don't let Heath get you down. I want to know what love is. Cold as ice. Jukebox hero. Dirty white boy. Hot blooded. Double freaking vision. And the list goes on. Dude is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I'll fight for you. Don't let. Did I say something bad about Foreigner? (laughs) No, this is my favorite thing in the world. When people think (laughs) Heath is Chris and vice versa, this is great. It was Chris. Chris, I don't say something bad about Foreigner. Do we sound alike? No, you don't. Say something bad about Foreigner. That's more important. They're not. They're they're fantastic. Fine. They are fantastic. Jukebox Hero is good. They're they are fan. Cold as ice is fantastic. Fine. No, it's wonderful. Better than Aerosmith for sure. Oh, jeez. Ooh. Ooh. That's preposterous. 
But no, they are good. And then the P.S. from Ben was, maybe it was Chris who was trashing you. Heath and Chris sound familiar. Disagree, but thank you for the awesome email. Yeah, I like Foreigner. They're good. I don't know Dirty White Boy. I don't know that song. I've never put on a Foreigner album in my life. So I like like Jukebox Hero. All right. I need you guys to physically be part of (coughs) this next email. Email of the day number four is from... uh, Oh, crap. I don't have the name. I'll find it. Been listening for years and wanted to pass along a mnemonic I learned when I was young. Forget the rhyme we learned in school. It's too difficult to remember. Instead, this method has helped me out for a long time. Okay, this is how you remember which days have 30, which months have 31 days and which don't. Make a fist with both hands. Make a fist with both hands and extend them out in front of you. Put the two fists together and going from your left hand to your right hand, go along the grooves of the knuckles. Now you can't do this with like your other hand. I guess you have to do it mentally. Starting Uh, with, this is too much. Start with the left pinky knuckle. That's January. Every time you hit a dip, that month has 30 days or less. Every time you groove over a knuckle, that month has 31 days. And where it gets interesting is when the knuckles in the middle meet. The knuckle of your left index finger and your right index finger. Those correspond to July and August, which both have 31 days. So put your fists together. Every knuckle is a 31. Every groove in the like middle is a 30 or less. And then right in the so middle is July and August. They both have 31. I don't have. There, there are not fourteen months. That's uh, where I'm. You getting. run out of. It does, you don't need to go all the way. Superior intelligence or anything like that. But this is just the type of thing that I just don't understand. Like, you just don't remember how many days no, are in months. Never. N- I don't never. know what day of the week it is. Yeah, I just remember how many days are in months. Uh, September. Heath. I, September. What's that? September. September would be thirty. I can't remember okay. anything. <laughs> October would be 31, November would be 30, December would be 31. Yeah, well, you're looking at your fingers so right just now. You're cheating. But doubles up in July and August. July and, August. Is that and, it? and December and January. They start with 31. Yeah, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're actually going to talk about baseball on Fantasy Baseball today. Actually, real quick, <laughs> Mitch wants to know if who would you rather have in a points league, Mike Trout or Jose Ramirez and Chris Sale? Which side is better in a points league? Ramirez and Sale Ramirez or Mike Trout? Okay, I agree. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. demotion day. Three players either sent to the minors or the bullpen. We'll tell you about it when we come back on Fantasy Baseball today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, demotion day. Not such a good day. Malik Smith to the minors. Uh, Lewis Brinson to the minors. Zach Godley to the bullpen. Are any of these guys worth stashing? I would hold on to Malik's in a like a one of our standard roto leagues where it's five outfielders and everybody's holding thirty players. Absolutely, um, but not the other two. Yeah, he's he's all kinds of messed up, and hopefully a trip to the minors can get him going. Um. If he's dropped, I'd like to pick him up in a categories league as well. Uh, there's still a lot of stolen base potential there. Lewis Brinson, no. But, he turns 25 next week. It's like I'm not saying it can't happen for him, but at this point we shouldn't expect it. Yeah, I guess that was my question. What's your long-term view on Brinson? So I think he pretty much summed it up. Some news and notes for you. A.J. Pollock may need elbow surgery now, so that's great. Um, and even worse, Alex Verdugo, who we were pumping yesterday, he sat and he might continue to sit against lefties. This did not get him in the lineup. Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, Enrique Hernandez started in the outfield with David Freeze at first base against the lefties. So Verdugo, if you pick him up, you want to start him in a weekly league, make sure you check those lineups. We'll see if they face another lefty before the week's over and get a little bit more information. Nick Senzel could be called up this week. Bring him up. Got fired up about that. Um, Fernando Tatis is on the I.L., and what I read today was that the MRI showed no structural damage, but could still be a lengthy recovery for Fernando Tatis. 
Anthony Rendon is on the IL with an elbow bruise. Hopefully not that lengthy of a recovery. Andrew Heaney threw a bullpen session. Uh, Mike Clevenger threw from like 60 feet and said he felt fine, something like that. Matt Olson's going to begin a rehab assignment today. He's 65% owned. I know they play different positions, but would you rather stash or you know, Nick Senzel or Matt Olson? Olson. Yeah, I think it's close enough that it could depend on my roster. You're you are going to get second and outfield eligibility, right? Senzel, so that'll help. So if it was for utility, I would agree with Chris that I'd rather have Olson, but it could depend on the roster. It's close. Okay, Josh Donaldson was scratched with a sore calf, and that's always bad, but this was a different calf than the one that's yep. given him trouble in the past. But we'll see with Donaldson. Uh, please keep an eye on Jose Peraza. He has now batted leadoff twice in a row. This was against the lefty. We had seen him bat leadoff against lefties before, but in the last two days, Peraza's batted leadoff against a righty and a lefty, and in both of those games, he has stolen a base. And last year, he stole, I think, 23 bases, 10 bases, 10 steals in 50 games as a leadoff hitter. By far his best uh, ratio of, you know, steals to games. Jesse Winker did start against a lefty, but he batted seventh. Noah Sindergaard says he doesn't feel comfortable with his mechanics out of the stretch with men on base, so that's something that Sindergaard's working on. CC yeah, Sabath- there was another, oh, sorry, there was another quote about Sindergaard uh, from the weekend where he basically said, Every time I pick up a, a new baseball, it feels like my hands are frozen or something like Adam that. Adam read that yeah, one read it. on the podcast. Read it yesterday. On Monday. Yeah, or, I, Monday, just, Monday. I was just telling you. Not everybody listens to every podcast. I'm just trying to provide a service to our did. listeners where I, I thought you did. Oh, no. Um, no. no, he said the balls feel like ice cubes because they're so slick. Yeah, it was a weird and quote. that's a problem. I wish they'd just use regular baseballs. Uh, Sabathia, regular baseballs. 17th, no, 17th pitcher, third lefty with 3,000 strikeouts. Is CeCe Sabathia going to the Hall of Fame? Of course. Should. Yeah, absolutely. Francisco Cervelli was hit by a pitch on the hand. Freddie Peralta is going to rejoin the Milwaukee rotation today. No thanks. Yeah, yeah no thanks. And Christian Yelich could be back this weekend. All right, more baseball. Let's talk about some hitters that you might want to add. Two of them owned in more than 70% of leagues. They are Jeff McNeil. I believe he is leading the National League in batting average. He's batting 370. He is the ninth best second baseman in points, but 18th in Roto. It is a very empty 370. Uh, Max Kepler. So Max Kepler had a 724 OPS going into the Baltimore series last weekend, and then he hit four home runs, and now he's got pretty damn good numbers. But uh, you can see a graphic there if you're watching our video. Please do that, by the way, on CBSSports.com or on YouTube. You can search for the CBS Sports channel on YouTube. Uh, McNeil and Kepler are the first two. We'll stick with them. They're both owned in 79 leagues, or 79% of leagues, or 72% of leagues. Sorry. Um, what do you think about them, McNeil and uh, and Kepler? Kepler showed signs of progress against lefties last season. He hasn't really kept that up so far here. But the one thing that you do like to see with him is he started hitting the ball at a higher launch angle last season. The problem was. He was hitting a ton of pop-ups, infield fly balls, pop-ups. wasn't hitting the ball with authority, especially from the right against right-handed pitchers, which was weird. Now you look, and he's 91.7 miles per hour average exit velocity, which is like 90th percentile, really high hard hit rate. And so his expected stats through Baseball Savant are 279 batting average, 520 slugging. So, you know, it doesn't really look like he's gotten lucky so far, and Maybe this is Max Kepler finally figuring it out after a couple of years of tweaking. I, well, a couple things. Uh, I just I can't get over the fact that ha- more than half of his home runs came against Baltimore, the worst, maybe the worst pitching staff in baseball history. They have the, I believe, highest home run rate. They gave up the most home runs before May uh, in baseball history. So there's that. Also, the Twins. Maybe this will continue. But the Twins have had by far the fewest at bats against lefties, and they have faced one left-handed starter all season, and that is amazing. Kepler so far is just 3-for-18 against lefties. And then there's McNeil. Uh, Heath, if you want to talk about Jeff McNeil, who has a, like, 130 ISO, but a 370 batting average. Yeah, and I think, like, he is going to rank better in points leagues. He's got a strikeout rate below 10%. So he's really someone you're probably starting in that format and then in Roto, yeah, maybe he's not quite as good. He's only the 18th second baseman. He's still a starting middle infielder. I don't, 
I I would rather own McNeil than Kepler, and I don't really understand why McNeil's not just universally owned. I tried picking him up. I was going to start. He's he's second base eligible. Is he third base eligible too? McNeil. Yeah, I was going to start. He's also outfield. Definitely. I I was going to start McNeil over Devers. Uh, I tried to pick him up on Sunday night, and somebody else picked up McNeil. Uh, he leads off now. That's good for points leagues. He also can steal. He's he's 0 for 3 so far, but he has run a little bit. And last year, McNeil stole, I think, 7 bases. Um, it, yeah, 7 bases in 63 games. So batting average runs, maybe some speed, but not power. All right, the rest of the hitters to add. Framil Reyes, and this is with, with a question mark, hitters to add. I'm not saying you should add them. I'm asking. Framil Reyes, his second two-homer game in his last seven games. In between those two... Two homer games. He's two for 14 with no extra base hits, no walks, four strikeouts. So it's been sort of starts and stops for Reyes. Josh Reddick. It's been all season. Yeah. Josh Reddick, Harrison Bader are other guys I have on this list. Three outfielders yeah. who are pretty available, Reyes, Reddick, and Bader. I was the Reyes skeptic coming into this year, and I like I know he's not been very good for most of the year. I feel more confident today that he is a good hitter than I did before the season he's crushing the yeah, baseball absolutely crushing it like last year he hit a ball really hard much harder than average 92.3 mile per hour average exit velocity this year it's up to 94.7 the strikeouts are actually down a little bit his x stats are much which don't necessarily mean that he's going to be much much better but they are better than they were last year i i'm more of a reyes believer now than i was before the year it helps the hunter renfro's on the raiders now <laughs> yes after a that was good great career at clemson <laughs> Reyes is only fifty three percent owned, and that might be might, now might be the time to get him before he can like actually consistently string it together. And then what about Reddick, who does sit against lefties? The Tex the Texans? No, thanks for screwing me up there, Chris, getting me in football mode. <laughs> the Astros haven't faced a lefty starter in twelve games, uh, but there's Reddick and there's Bader. Who would you rather have between those two? Bader. I don't think he's a better hitter than Reddick, but I think he's going to be better for fantasy because he'll steal some bases. And he's not going to sit against, like, this is what we do with Josh Reddick every year where there's, like, always a stretch where he yes. does pretty well. In the end of the season, the triple slash line looked great, but there's a lot of right-handed or left-handed hitters whose triple slash line would look great if they never played against lefties. And so that's the thing is he's probably not going to get you the counting stats that you want. All right. So that's a look at some hitters to add. We got one more break. And then we got a lot more fun stuff for you on Fantasy Baseball today, including when we come back, were we fooled by Dan Vogelbach? Were we fooled by Domingo Santana? I know Heath isn't going to like that question very much. Stick around. We'll get the answers right after this. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Fooled you. Okay, what is that? If you're young, foolish, don't know, it's Spaceballs. One of the great, great 80s comedies, great spoofs of all time. Please watch Spaceballs. Chris, have you ever seen Spaceballs? I'm like three years younger than you. (laughs) Like, you were not conscious when Spaceballs was out. Neither of you were born. Yeah, you were were Uh, watching it when it was on VHS. Is that true? That I, Do you it, even remember? Nineteen eighty. It's nineteen eighty-seven. I was born. It was you were three, two years old. I was two I or three. I just don't agree with the classification. It was one of the really great eighties comedies. Really? I think it's very good. Oh my gosh, it's a but, classic. But it's certainly not my favorite Mel Brooks. What is? I I think it's the producers for me. I really like the producers. I bet you've never or seen History it. of the World. Oh, I was about to say, I bet you've never seen History of the World. You don't Do you, don't well, give listen. me this. Do you have older siblings? No. That's I mean, the yeah, thing. My sister's 15 months older, but no. Okay, that's the thing. Like, my brother's 10 years older than I. I'm 35. My brother's 40. No, I'm 34. My brother's 44. My sister's 41 or something like that. So I, I am sort of an 80s child because of them. You don't have that. So you're, you are your age. I am older than my age. 
That's why I. Treat I'm older you like than my youngster. age. I'm, I'm an old soul. Yeah. I've been told that multiple times. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if these guys. I, own, were I collect us. vinyls, sir. <laughs> You're just weird. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach, seventy-eight percent owned. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I did these notes yesterday before the game started. So, in his last seven games, entering yesterday, he was batting two hundred. With a 333 on base, four walks, four strikeouts, but also just a 300 slugging percentage. He's been cold. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach, legit good start or fooled you? Um, bit of both. He's been hitting like an absolutely elite hitter and he's probably not that, but he's probably an above average hitter. The, the ultimate question I think is going to come down to that playing time versus left handed pitchers because you know, he he could be Josh Reddick if he's not facing lefties, and that's a useful player, but definitely not a must-start guy. So it really depends if they start trusting him against lefties, and given the depth that that team has, although some of their other guys might be fooling us too, um, you know, he he might not be an everyday player. All right, that's Vogelbach. So it sounds like you think people should be patient, hang tight on Vogelbach, see where it goes. Yeah. Okay, and he does usually sit against lefties and they've faced they've faced four lefties in their last seven games and he sat against three of them so it hurts for fantasy uh but you know hopefully some righties coming up uh how about domingo santana i don't get this he I, like i want to check again i double checked last night i'm gonna triple check domingo santana going into yesterday's games was the number 21 outfielder in points leagues and number four in roto i t- I don't understand huh. the disparity there, but in his last 11 games going into yesterday, Domingo Santana had a 598 OPS, a 174 batting average, five walks, 17 strikeouts. So uh, was it a legit hot start, or did we get fooled by Domingo Santana? I think his numbers right now are rel- like maybe just a little bit high, but relatively close to what you should expect from him. For the rest of the season, he's on a what, like a 30, real close to a 30 homework pace, real close to a 15 stolen base pace with an average around 285. What we've seen exactly that from Domingo Santana before. Yeah, but at that time, we didn't believe that it was sustainable. So, may not have. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. He was, well, maybe it was. He had, he had a terrible year in 2018, but he also, like didn't get to play all the time because they went out and added two of the best free agents in baseball that year. Sure. Uh, so Santana um, is 17th in points now. The updated 17th in points, fifth in roto. Like I, I knew his plate discipline, you know, would hold him back, but he actually, like he's got a decent amount of walks. So I was surprised it was that that different. He's lost. He's lost a lot of the strikeout gains that he made early on. Uh, over the last 16 games, so basically cutting it in half, he's striking out about 30% of the time, which, you know, he, he is hitting the ball in the air a little more. Uh, he's always done pretty well hitting it hard. So if he had been able to sustain that, like, 20 22% strikeout rate, I think we would have been able to say, yes, this is a new level that Domingo Santana has reached. I think we're starting to settle in that he's – a very similar player to the guy he's been over the last couple of years, and that's been a high-variance player. Um, so don't freak out when he goes into a slump because that's what's going to happen, and don't think, don't don't crown him as a superstar when he you know, has a couple of hot weeks, I think is where I've landed. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a number five in Roto, but I think the, the top 20, top 25 outfielder yeah. is what, well within range. Yeah, I think he could be similar to Tommy Pham. Would you rather have Andrew McCutcheon or Domingo Santana? I think I'd rather have McCutcheon. McCutcheon in points, Santana and Roto. Yasiel Puig or Domingo Santana? Santana pretty easily. Uh, I don't. I, <sighs> I, I think I think Puig is just in a slump. Like he, like I said last year, he got off to a terrible start last year. Maybe it was two years ago. I mean, he's never played in cold weather before. <laughs> that you could know, be. That take could that be into account. I, I feel like Puig is somebody I tried to buy low on yesterday and, and couldn't. Um, I'm still interested in that. I won't even I won't dispute the Santana thing. I mean, I would rather have Puig than Santana, but that's fine. But just saying separate on a side note, I would like to buy low on Yasiel Puig. I, I feel like he's I think just, you'll be able to buy him on the waiver wire soon. No way! Like, don't drop Puig. I, why are Puig's you so friends. down on him? Don't drop Puig. 
Why are you so down on What's him? What's that? Why are you so down on him? Um, I'm not I'm not saying for sure. Like I wrote in the he was one of my losers today in the waiver wire column just because he went over four, is dropped below the Mendoza line and struck out twice more. I'm not I did say I don't want to drop him. I don't think I could blame someone for dropping him. I'm getting closer to like I've accepted that people are dropping Travis Shaw, and that's fine. He's not quite to that point, but he's not far behind. All right, let's get back to fool you and see if anybody actually fooled us. Trevor Richards, he's only 44% owned. His first three starts uh, were terrific. His last three starts, he's given up 13 earned runs in 17 innings. Did Trevor Richards fool us with those first three starts, or is he really just waiver wire fodder? He's been low-key kind of bad this season. Yep. Um, fool you! There we go, finally. Yeah. Got to play it. But there's only one stallion. No, there's still several. There's only one stallion. Oh, my God. Can we? Did you see the email, Adam? This reminds me. Thank you for reminding me about the stallions. What? Take the ass off the end. There's only one stallion. The stallions. So, Trevor, we got an email. Trevor Richards, during the Phillies game last week, oh, yes. was warming up. <laughs> yes. The Phillies PA was playing Old Town Road and had a video of horses on the big screen. I need to know if someone in Philly Game Ops listens to this podcast or if it's just a crazy coincidence. And then even more crazy, uh, 75% of the stadium left upon hearing that horrible song. Uh, Dansby song. Swanson. That's not crazy at all. It's totally normal. Great song. Everybody was bopping. Dansby Swanson bop. going into yesterday's game, still a top 12 shortstop. But his previous 12 games, a 664 OPS for Swanson. His first 16 games, he had a 1035 OPS. Uh, did Dansby Swanson fool us, or is he legitimately breaking out and just in a slump? He didn't fool me because I didn't ever move him higher than like 17th at shortstop. I don't, I don't think he's a definite must-start guy, but I, I, that was moving him up a lot from where I had him at the beginning of the year. Right? As is probably the case with most of these guys, they are not as good as they were the first two weeks of the season, nor as bad as they were the last two weeks. His uh, batter ball profile is still really, really strong. 80th percentile in exit velocity, 67th percentile in expected batting average, 82nd percentile in expected slugging percentage. So, and his, the weird thing is it, he doesn't run and he's fast. He's like 87th percentile in sprint speed. So it still seems like we're not getting all the tools together at the same time, but you know, with the batted ball profile especially, it does look like he's taken a big step forward. All right, so Dansby Swanson, again, be patient with Swanson then. How about Jock Peterson? This is Jock Peterson. He, uh, you know, he last 11 games going into yesterday, and, I, and he sat yesterday against a lefty. He had a 749 OPS, which isn't terrible. But within that, get, with that stretch of 11 games, four for five with two homers at Milwaukee and three hits in the other 10 games. So, you know, usually pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I really bought into Jock Peterson, but if you look at his previous four seasons, here is his OPS against righties, or his OPSs. 784, 918, 769, 894. It's just, you know he's not going to play against lefties. So he has to be great against righties. Half of his career he has been, half of his career he hasn't been, and I don't know what's, what's going to happen now with Jock Peterson. I can be... Slightly worse batting average Josh Reddick with more power. It's a valuable player to have around, but it, it, probably not a must stone. Uh, Heath, did Freddie Galvis fool us with his first 19 games and his 970 OPS? Uh, I reject the premise because no one actually thought <laughs> Freddie Galvis was good, but yes, if you did, he fooled you. Okay, good. Freddie Galvis, that's a, that's a quick one. Did Ronald Acuna fool us? He had an 1130 OPS in his first 17 games. In his last 11 games entering yesterday, he had a 574 OPS. Still uh, walking a good bit, though. Uh, one thing I think that Ronald Acuna on was his opening day stolen base. He's only stolen one since then, so I don't think he's going to be a major plus there. But what, like, obviously Acuna's good, but did he fool us into thinking he was, you know, like transcendent in the first 17 games of the season? No, I don't think so. No, he's he's very good. He's the stolen bases may be what limit him from reaching that first base or first round potential, but you know we knew that that was 
possible coming into the season. He's not going to win a batting title. He strikes out too much, but going to hit for more power than he has. I'm fairly confident in that, and yeah. he's in a great lineup. He's got a 23% home run to fly ball rate. Okay. Yeah. I don't like he's on pace for what 26, 27 home runs. Is his fly ball rate way down or something? Um. Yes. He's cold. Yeah. He's really cold. He's, he's as cold as ice. Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I, I'm not particularly worried about that. Um, I just think he's too talented. I we're gonna. I mean, he's not. He's not even been bad when you look at the season overall. He's been a little bit disappointing, and you know, we we all thought maybe drafting him in the first round was a little bit of a reach. So, I don't think he fooled anyone. Okay. Here. All right, uh, let's rank some aces. Move on to some other players who performed yesterday, good or bad. Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Zach Greinke, Luis Castillo, Herman Marquez. These six aces were in action yesterday. You'll see five of them on your screen if you're watching the video. Add Luis Castillo in your mind there. Put your knuckles together and count aces. Uh, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Zach Greinke, Luis Castillo, Armand Marquez. Heath, take a, take a gander at that. How would you rank them? Uh, so there's, a, there's like maybe three different tiers here <laughs> amongst these aces. I'm not sure. But I, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer are the clear, clear top two and both top five starting pitchers for me. You have Cole. Right now. I have Cole one spot ahead of Bauer. I would take Bauer over Cole, but they're both awesome. Um, then. You drop down, and Zach Grinke's my number 15 starting pitcher. And admittedly, I've got a rankings update I'm doing today. There might these numbers might be off one or two, but it'll be close. And I, for most of the year, have had Walker Bueller in the same end of the aces tier as Zach Grinke. As of late, I've I've dropped him down into the same tier as Castillo and Herman Marquez. I would still take Bueller over. Uh, actually, I'm not 100% sure why we would. I've got Castillo, Bueller, Marquez right now. It is possible by the end of the day it will be Castillo, Marquez, Bueller. Yeah, Bueller's definitely the most interesting guy to talk about. I mean, uh, five and a third, six hits, three runs, one walk, six strikeouts at the Giants. He has one quality start in six starts. I think he struck out one guy in his previous start, something like that. So the strikeout rate looks really bad, 24 strikeouts and 29 and a third. Lined up for two starts next week against Atlanta and Washington, but there were concerns going into the year. You know, we knew they were going to take it slowly with him, and he's not there yet. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Walker Bueller. I, I'm not sure. I feel comfortable starting him in a two-start week. I, maybe this was a sign of progress, but it was the Giants yesterday, and he couldn't even get through six. Yeah, I'm definitely still starting him in a two-start week, and I, I still think what's going. We talked about this before. What the reason I was worried about buying low on him is I'm still worried about August and September. Yeah. I'm still worried there's going to be a three-week stretch where he goes on the air quotes IL just for innings limiting, although he's doing a pretty good job of limiting his innings (laughs) with his performance. Right, right. Um, But I also still think there's a – the most likely scenario is most of May, June, and July is very good. Yeah, the the thing that I'll watch out for in the upcoming starts is how often he uses his fastball because I think that will be a good indication of whether he's starting to figure things out and get a feel for himself because right now he's throwing his fastball about 9% more often uh, than he did a year ago, and I think there may just be a situation where he doesn't quite trust his secondary pitches and... When he gets that fastball rate down to like 55, 60%, like it was last season, then I think you can start feeling better that, hey, this guy, you know, has the feel. He hasn't really thrown his cutter at all in three of his five starts or four of his six, I guess. Um, so yeah, that, that's the thing for me with Bueller is I think that'll be a leading indicator of when he's about to take off. Mm, would have been a good time for a, you got the touch drop. Uh, we're going to rank them some non-aces who pitched yesterday. But first, it's Wednesday, so that means it's time for Team Name Tuesday on a Wednesday. Kirby Yates Enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> it's good. That, that one's a very good one. I have one for the end, so just let me know when it's my turn. Okay. 
Sorry, Luke Jackson. Who minters for real? Uh, no, no. Yeah. I mean, yes, but no. Bor- I think I would like that one better if you just yeah. go, sorry, Luke Jackson. Yeah, okay. Or if I just didn't sing it. Born in the USA. Yep. That's, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Good visually. Uh, Keller Me Bad. Keller Me Bad. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Fantastic, yes. Keith doesn't know who Keller Me Bad is. Obviously, I do. Uh, not even sure you were alive when they were <laughs> playing music. The Rat Paddock. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. No. I just, I don't have much interest personally in the Rat Pack and their exploits, so it's fine. It's a good team, team name. Uh, I don't know. We had to have had this before. Breaking Vlad. Yeah, I'm sure we have, yeah. Well, I'll be damned. Sure, yes. The Good, the Vlad, and the Ugla. Yep. I always love a Dan Ugla. I think uh, I'd like it better if it was just the good, the Vlad, and the ugly. No, I, you got to get a Dan Ugla reference in there when you can. Why? Because uh, he he was a fun player. <laughs> he was a fun name. Yeah, he was a fun player. Oh, Dan Ugla was fun. Maybe for like a season and a half. It's like five foot eight, giant Popeye forearms. He was crushing fun. baseballs. Yeah, he was super fun for like a season and a half. It was like four. All right, a few more. Neris Bueller's Eikhoff. Yeah. No. That's amazing. It's, it's the best one. No, it, it's... Neris Bueller's Day Off would be better. Yeah, it's a stretch. I think you could do a better... The, the last bit of it is where it falls apart. Chris, I'm going to IM this one to you. Uh, it's our last one. Uh, maybe you want to... Maybe you want to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> In the gallo, the gallo. In the gallo. Okay, good job. All right, Heath, you're up. Team Dave 2 is out of Wednesday. I want to apologize to Dan Aguilar first. He was good for longer than I thought he was. It wasn't that fun. But he Marlins was, legend. That's why the homer. Yeah. Knew. Luke Voigt is extending uh, his the legacy. The young, dumb, and broke. The What? Oh, the, okay. The young, dumb, and broke. Yeah, you said uh, this one the other day, right? Yeah. I never said it on the podcast, yeah. though, and I think it's one of the best ones I've ever come up with. Uh, well, also, yeah. It's, bar- how was Paul DeYoung not in Fooled You? It's better than Yasmani Money Tomas Problem. Paul the Young well, because, better than that. Because yeah. Paul the Young hasn't really cooled off, has he? Oh, I thought okay. Not, I I forgot you were doing like the splits of the first month. Yeah. And not just did these guys fool us with their performance and will they be this good the rest of the way? I didn't yeah. understand the game the entire time we were doing it. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it was great, pretty obvious. Great segment. Well I just I didn't it, my brain didn't go to someone might be splitting the first two weeks from the second two weeks of the season and assigning importance. That's that. what I do, you know. All right, let's rank these non-aces who pitched yesterday. Rick Porcello, Cole Hamels, Chris Paddock. Paddock, Hamels, Porcello. That was quick. Yep. I don't know that I, I agree. Think... I, think I, go, I think I might go Hamels one. I, in a points league, I actually have Hamels one spot ahead of Chris Paddock. I think it's going to be really, really hard, unless Cole Hamels is bad, for Chris Paddock to be as good as Cole Hamels. It might be difficult for him to be as good as Rick Porcello by the season's end, eh, but he's more valuable be- now. Um, Porcello is not in the same stratosphere as these two in my rankings, but Hamels and Paddock, I think, are probably format dependent. I would rather have Paddock in a roto in a categories league. I think I'd rather have Hamels in point. Yeah, I mean Paddock is, uh, you know, Paddock is going to be bold prediction. Once he starts throwing that curveball with more confidence and you know refines it, Chris Paddock could be a second round pick. Like he's awesome. Yeah, I, I, he has top five potential, but, but he may only have like. 75 innings left. He's got ni- he, n- he throws 90 pitches a game. He hasn't even thrown 90 got, pitches yet. He throws 89 he's pitches. He's got at least 100 innings left. Yeah, he, he's a six-inning guy, so it's at best. I know, like, last time he went deeper, but he almost <laughs> – but but he was, like, nearly he immaculate. Thrown, he hasn't thrown 90 pitches. He hasn't thrown 90 yet. pitches. Fringy starting pitches are you, pitchers, are you interested in any of these guys? Vince Velasquez, like I said, I dropped him for Griffin Canning. Michael Pineda, I would drop him for anyone. Canning, yeah, yeah. Um, Jordan Lyles, Griffin Canning, CeCe Sabathia, Adam Wainwright, Spencer Turnbull, Felix Hernandez. Velasquez, Canning, and Turnbull. You still I'm are interested, interested in Jordan Lyles, too. You're still interested in Velasquez? Yes. Yep. He has one quality start this year. I understand. 
one more than you. Yep. <laughs> and look at that look on his face. Like, what do you start? Azer, what do you what do you think it? All right, so you said Velasquez, Canning, and Turnbull. Yes. Yeah, I think Pineda. Sabathia Lyles. will be useful. Sabathia is another guy who who doesn't. He has not thrown more than eighty-seven pitches or more than five and a third in any of his four starts. Twenty-nine starts last year. CC Sabathia had a three sixty-five ERA. That's very good. Only eleven quality starts. He just they don't let him go deep into games. Um, you don't get points for quality starts. You do get points for quality starts, actually. <laughs> and let's give, you know, Scott brought this up uh, uh, after Felix's last start. Felix Hernandez, two starts ago, was seven innings, one run, eight Ks at San Diego. Yesterday, six innings, four runs, eight Ks against the Cubs. Scott said he's throwing his curveball more. I don't know what the breakdown was yesterday, but he's doing some better things. Still a 431 ERA. I'm not, I'm not there yet, but... I, it's worth his, noting he's doing better things. Felix his control has been amazing. Yeah, he <laughs> he has um he's broken off some curveballs that have looked like vintage Felix Hernandez curveballs. So that's been nice to see. I think yeah, th- there might be more life left than we may have thought, but I don't think it's gonna be much better than a low fours ERA, maybe a high threes. I, I, I don't know. He's got a three sixty nine Sierra. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's possible. I would get, I would take the over on that, but he could be useful. Ready to regulate? Uh. <laughs> you can't do it then. It's before the the bump. Like, come on. All right, here we go. Uh, Dan from the home of cheese steaks. We have an eight-man head-to-head points leagues. It's a two hundred and fifty-dollar buy-in. That's Ooh. a lot. Yeah. On Sunday, someone dropped Kenta Maeda for Mike Soroka. He texted the commissioner right away and said he meant to drop Zach Eflin, not Kenta Maeda. The rest of the league said it's his fault. He could put a waiver on Maeda if he wants him that bad. He thinks he should have Maeda back, um, and Eflin dropped. In protest, this guy dropped everyone on his team and said he's not paying the $250. The majority of the league thinks we should just add everyone back onto his team and find someone else to take over his team. Excuse me, since he's acting... So childish. What is the right course of action? We have a tight-knit league, same people for the last eight years. Just don't, like, I know Heath is going to say that he dropped him, so he should just live with it. But, like, don't be a jerk. Just let him have the guy. If he texted the commissioner right away, it's not like he, like, waited and saw that Zach Eflin had a bad start. And it was like, oh, no, I meant to, like, if he did it, truly did it right away, just put the player back on his roster, like, this is ridiculous. This is the greatest, team, like just, the greatest team name ever can come from this situation. I might, made a mistake. Or you made a certain type of mistake. <laughs> Zach Eflin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very good. That's pretty good. Uh, yes, that's your I best team name. Have yeah. the player he wants, put the players back on his roster, but his team name has to be that for the rest of the season. <laughs> But yeah, like like the, the emailer oh, says perfect. he's being childish. Like, yes, but he's responding to childish childishness in childishness. It's, no, I I disagree with that. This is not like some just little fun league where we're all playing for exactly two hundred and fifty dollars right, buy. So the don't guy's screwed up. Don't screw him over. Did yeah. they give the Broncos? If your fax machine doesn't work in the NFL, you don't get the guy. I, I, if they had it, texted the commissioner and said we were trying to send the facts, but the facts didn't go through, would they've got whoever it was that that happened with? I feel like that happens in like the trade deadline sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Chris, if, if okay. things don't go through, they don't go through. Chris, uh, we have the facts and we're voting yes. Name the band. It's an album. It's an indie we album. We have the facts and we're voting yes. Yeah, not the fax. Fac. Don't ever yes. criticize my music. Again. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, this is a Who great is band. This is a great band. This is Death Cab for Cutie. That's an album by Death Cab for Cutie? Yeah, it's an older one. Yeah. Before they yeah, hit the I mainstream. started with Transatlanticism. Oh, this Warner. is before also Transatlanticism. Before. Oh, I'm rocking your world right now. You're like, how does Azer know all this? I am pretty shocked yep. that you know about Death Cab. Love Death fraud. Cab. All right, here we go. Last one. Adam Azer knew a Death Cab album that you did not. I. This is uh, from Kane from Tianto. Uh, from Tianto. <laughs> Kane from <laughs> Toronto. His last name is like Giovis. Kane from Toronto. All right, he, he made a trade. 
He gave up Luke Voigt, Raphael Devers, and Alex Colomay. He got back, uh, Chris Bryant and Carter Kiboom. I've been trying to buy low on Chris Bryant. I've been discussing various trade options with his owner in our league for about a week. When I heard Kaboom was being called up, I didn't have any weekly transactions remaining, so I proposed that the Bryant owner pick up Kiboom and trade him to me in a package deal with Chris Bryant. He did, and we completed the trade above. Now, some owners are complaining that he shouldn't be allowed to pick up a player off the waiver wire just to trade him to me, which I say is baloney. What say you, regulators? Mound up. It's mound. Agree 100% it's baloney. It's it's a little collusive. It's a sign and trade. You know, like maybe it doesn't meet the legal <laughs> standard of collusion, no. but it, it's it's collusive in nature. I, I can't make a deal with anyone on your roster, but if you had Carter Kaboom, I could do it. Uh, don't pick up Carter Kaboom. It, it's a conspiracy. No, it's not a conspiracy. I don't really have a problem with it. Good, but, good fantasy yeah. playing. I don't have well a problem done. with it. I, like, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, right? Okay. It's it's fine. Like I feel like I should normally be upset about this, but I think it's fine. Like Everybody had a chance to get Kaboom. He told this guy, you get him and yeah. I wonder if when the trade went through, he was like, Kaboom! <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. These have been the Fantasy Regulators. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. Talk to you tomorrow.